Welcome to this week's C10 Conversation. I'm Matt Folks. Thank you so much for listening. It hit me this week just how humbling it is to know that you're spending a few minutes with us each week, and we're just incredibly grateful for that. If you haven't subscribed, please click the button so you never miss an episode, and please feel free to leave a review or give us a four or five-star rating to help spread the word about these weekly chats. As you probably know, if you follow us on social media or have gone to c10mentoring.com, there are two huge goals for the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program for high school students here in the Kansas City area. One is to help develop a servant leadership heart in them. We take part in monthly service projects to help with that. And when I say develop that servant leadership heart, in, in many cases with our students, they already had it coming into the program. That's part of the reason they want to get involved. So we're helping to continue uh, developing that. The other piece is to help prepare them for the next stage in life. Now, in most cases, that means college. Uh, in some, it might be directly into the workforce. Uh, it might be going to trade school and then the workforce, et cetera. But whatever the ne- that next stage is, we want to help prepare them for that. Well, this year with our nine seniors, we have been even more deliberate about helping to prepare them for that next step. And one of the ways we do that is with teaching them about money and budgeting and investing. Well, in early May, we had a Zoom session with our seniors, their parents and guardians, and their mentors. And we introduced them to this idea of a donor-advised fund, which essentially is a savings account to use for charitable purposes. Our guest speaker that night to introduce the students to donor-advised funds was Evan Lang, who is the president of the Midwest Division of the Signatory, which is a Christian community foundation. Before joining the Signatory, Evan was an associate attorney with a couple of the big law firms in Kansas City after growing up in the Kansas City area and then going to school at, at William Jewell and then UMKC. As with many of the sessions with our students, Uh, that we turn into podcast episodes, most of our conversation with Evan was focused on the seniors and some things we're doing for them. But we wanted to share Evan's story, his leadership journey, and and his thoughts on the idea of generosity with you in this episode. So with that, here is this week's conversation with Evan Lang from The Signatory. You know, we actually open our podcast with this, and I think it's really appropriate tonight with nine seniors on this call, but Tell us about 17, 18-year-old Evan Lang. If I had to describe myself in a word, it would be uh, probably like a punk. Uh, probably <laughs> the best way to describe myself, 17-year-old uh, Evan, because I thought I had the world like conquered and, and everything. I knew everything and where I was going and how I was going to do it and, and everything else. So, uh, yeah, so I grew up just in South Kansas City. And uh, went to a small school at the time. It's, it's now a pretty big school and Ray Moore Peculiar. And, um, you know, was captain of the basketball team and, you know, was doing the, you know, the basketball thing. And I had uh, places to go play basketball in college. And so I just 17 year, 18 year old Evan thought, hey, the world is mine. And uh, <laughs> which is pretty naive at the time, looking back at it. So at what point did you think or did you realize that, you know, hey, I need to have a, a, a second career, if you will. And basketball <laughs> may not be it for me. I need to be doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. So 
probably something a little bit unique is that even when um, when I was in high school, I knew kind of what I wanted to do as far as a career path. And so basketball was kind of the means to the end. And so I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. And so, hey, I so I knew I wanted to play basketball so that I could get a scholarship to go uh, to college somewhere so that ultimately I could go to law school, become a lawyer and uh, do the courtroom thing. Uh, so most of you on the call don't know who this is, but I, I wanted to be Perry Mason. And so uh, Perry Mason was a courtroom lawyer. Uh, would try a bunch of cases, TV show, and so really, really old black and white kind of stuff. But uh, that's who I wanted to be. And so, yeah, basketball was just an end to the means to the end. Like if I could play basketball and somebody would pay me to go to school uh, to play basketball so that I can get an education and get on to be be a lawyer. I knew I wanted to do that at least. So, so did you want to be a trial lawyer? That's what I, yep, that's what I wanted to do. So, and it kind of, it's interesting. Again, Matt, you talk about 17, 18 year old Evan up until that point, I would say my, my life had been uh, kind of shown as, Hey, if you work hard and you want something and to achieve it, you can achieve it. And right. so I did, did well in school just to stay dedicated. Um, you know, I just applied myself and just worked hard and those things. And yeah, eventually I got to play basketball at William Jewell college um, in Liberty um, on a full scholarship. and um, it was great. And it was kind of one of those things of, again, just kind of working hard and going at it. And I had this plan set out that, Hey, I was going to actually graduate in three years and then I'm going to go into law school. And then I hit my first roadblock, which was, uh, the LSAT. So the LSAT is the law school entrance exam. And so basically for law schools, I don't know how they do it nowadays, but back then, they cared a little bit about your GPA, but they cared a lot about what your score on the LSAT was. And the first time I took it, I just bombed it, just bombed it. And I couldn't understand why. So I took it again. And the LSAT's a little bit, I don't know if they, if they might have changed this, but back then, uh, law schools didn't take your highest score. They averaged your score. So if you got a really good score and a really bad score, that means you just got an average score. It's just a, it's that middle, middle of the road. And so I took it again, did bad again. And so um, and it just drove me crazy. And it was one of those times of like, hey, you know, if you're working hard, you should be able to achieve stuff. Mm -hmm. And it didn't. And so I didn't get I didn't get into law school that first year. And so I ended up graduating and uh, which, you know, for me, pride was such a big component. Um, it's not not being a servant leader. I was, hey, I wanted to lead. I wanted to lead out front and let everybody see me. And so I remember at my college graduation, people are like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm going, I have no idea. I had all this plan set and now I hit a roadblock. And so um, it was such a humbling moment in my life that, um, that I just absolutely needed. And so that actually led me um, for a year that uh, I worked and uh, I worked at a bank during the day. And then in the evenings, I uh, led, led some Bible studies, actually was down at the University of Missouri uh, at the Baptist Student Union, leading Bible studies and things like that. And then after that, I'd go to work at FedEx at night. And so and then I'd go home and sleep for like a couple hours and go back to the bank in the morning, <laughs> do it all over again, uh, kind of a thing. And at that time was just such a shaping uh, moment because I knew, hey, if, if God wanted me to get into law school, that's going to happen, but I'm going to give it at least one more shot. So I took, took the LSAT again. Luckily, luckily got a good score. And so 
uh, was able to got accepted by a few schools. Ultimately, I decided to go to uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City. So UMKC, go Ruse, and uh, and went to law school there, which was awesome. So uh, again, just kind of one of those moments of your life of you know, hey, sometimes hard. Like I, I'm a big believer, you should work hard in the things that that you should that whatever you're in front of, work hard, work it with your whole heart. That doesn't guarantee success. It doesn't. But your your attitude and what and and you know being humbled is a good thing, you know to being hey put my pride on you know out of the way, that was such a good thing for me to see that I needed people in my life because during that time the the people that really stuck with me my mentors really stuck with me and helped me say hey we believe in you we see this in you, and uh, that just was such a big uh, momentum for me just to keep going and. Um, and, and ultimately strive after that. What was the moment that you realized, you know what, if I want to pursue this dream of, of going to law school, becoming a trial attorney, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're, you realize you could study a night and all that, but what was the turning point that really said, you know what, I need to buckle down. I need to do this. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I was humbled, but I was still hard headed. And I said, <laughs> I'm going to at least give it another shot, you know, at that point, I had taken the LSAT three times, and I mean, I'm I'm, not, I'm a basketball guy, not a baseball guy, but in baseball, you get three strikes, so you might as well swing one more time. And so, I don't know if that was my mentality or or what. So I, so I ended up, I, you know, I don't know if there was like a seminal moment. I do remember this one time. So my FedEx job, it was pretty miserable. So at one time, my uh, my shift was from like 2 a.m. until 8 a.m. And so I'd sleep from like eight to two or something like that, and then work and then work from eight to five, have the other job. And uh, I remember like leaving a shift from FedEx and going, I cannot do this. Like my body, like my mind, I, I can't do this. And, um, and I, and it was just, it was just one of those things that I got down and, and was like, okay, I got to do, I'm going to try another shot at, at this. And so, but that being said, i that was just one of multiple failures that I've had. So, so when I was when I was in law school, um, law school was great. I actually really really enjoyed law school, and uh, did well throughout school. Um, you know, I was I, I always joke with people that I was probably like the last person that that was accepted to go in, uh, but I just really enjoyed it and I was motivated because when somebody tells you, "Hey, you're not good enough," or "You're not smart enough," then for me that just makes me want to work harder and to, and to prove myself and uh, and to really just show show what you can do. But uh, again, despite all of those things, when I graduated, uh, if you remember, we had this uh, huge economic downturn in 2008, nine, and ten, mm-hmm. and so I graduated right after that, or right around, actually, right in the middle of that, and so no one was hiring lawyers. And uh, in law school, I'd gotten married, um, and my my wife and I, uh, my wife was a she was working as a nurse, and um, to to be a lawyer, you don't have to just go to law school. You have to take something called the bar exam, and so I took the bar exam. Praise the Lord, I passed that um, and the first try. But then I'm sitting, I'm sitting there, and I didn't have a job. I mean, I applied for every job I had, and so it wasn't even like, hey, just pick which job you wanted. I I'd, I'd take any job. I just just I I had tried and tried and tried, and I couldn't get a job. And I remember my wife was uh, going into work one day. And I'm sitting at home going, what can I, I can't do anything. There's nothing to work hard at. 
I mean, if there was a job open, I had sent a resume, but other than that, then you're just waiting and waiting really stinks. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I just waited and waited, waited. And that time was such a refining moment too, in my life, because, you know, you're powerless and you can't do anything else. And so you just, I just waited and waited and waited. Uh, eventually, um, a firm that I, a law firm that I did work for during law school, uh, had a position come open and, and it was for litigation. So it was in the courtroom doing trials and doing those things. And, um, and so I had worked at that firm for several years and got to do the jury trial things. It's not what it looks like on TV. So on TV, you see a trial and it happens in 30 minutes and they put the whole case on and it's great and they wrap it up. I would work on cases for two, three years at a time. And if we went to trial, the trial would last a week. And it's the most stressful moments of your life because <clears throat> all you can do is present your case and do all the things that you can do. But then it's ultimately in the hands of 12 people to decide uh, how the case would go. And so I did that job for a while, but the firm I was at was I wanted to I wanted to work at a larger firm and have this prestige and these types of things. And it was interesting because I had an opportunity to go and work at a very large law firm in Kansas City. It's actually called Stinson, if you've ever heard of it. So there's a downtown office, and it was kind of just a dream job that I got to got to do. And um, it was interesting, Matt, as I look back at like kind of my like history and like life. Here I was um, at a really good job and in a really good place and kind of just, hey, this is, I'm hitting all my goals finally. And I was absolutely miserable. Hmm. That was more miserable than before when I, in the time, more miserable than, than the times of not, make, not passing the LSAT and more miserable than the times that I couldn't even find a job. Here I am at this thing that I thought that I really, really wanted. Mm -hmm. And I was just absolutely miserable and I couldn't understand why. And I think at the end of the day, it was, I was miserable because I wasn't living out my purpose. And so I knew what my purpose was. I knew um, as I'm a Christian and I felt called to go into a ministry position and uh, at an early age and everything else in my life and career was all about me. It wasn't about actually my purpose and what I was supposed to do. And so um, I had some actually really good friends of mine, again, mentors, these guys played basketball with. And, uh, they, we were, we were all, um, in a Bible study together and it was awesome. We really enjoyed just being that. And I, they knew I was miserable in my job and they were happy in their jobs, but even despite that, they knew they needed to live out their purpose. And, uh, they actually became missionaries, uh, in the middle East. So they're in a country, I can't tell you the country because, um, they're planting churches and they could potentially be arrested and put in jail. Right. And, um, and my, my wife and I, we prayed about it. We said, okay, do we, are we called to do this? And we weren't. And I, I was even more miserable now going, okay, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I thought I was supposed to do this ministry things, but that I'm not, I don't feel like I'm supposed to go there. And I'm in this job that I just can't stand. And uh, ultimately that led me to the foundation. So that was just over six years ago. The last six years have been absolutely amazing because it's not only put up, put in uh, basically the skill set and the talents and things that I think God's equipped me to, to use, but also my purpose and where I'm supposed to, to be is just absolutely aligned, uh, which is really, really fun. Hey, this is Matt Folks. I hope you're enjoying this week's conversation. We're going to take a quick break as we introduce you to one of the students in the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. 
My name is Daryl Williams. I am a senior. This is my third year in C10. My favorite part about C10 is getting to meet important leaders. And like going to Dave Moore's house, we, we learned about a lot of leadership roles. Thank you so much for helping to make that possible. That's this week's C10 Student Spotlight. Now back to the podcast. Students, and I just want to point this out real quick. And Dayton and I have talked about this. I think in November and December, through one, some of our sessions with Dayton, we talked about the fact that it sometimes takes you a while to figure out what job you want to do that'll that'll make you happy. Some people know right out of college and they're they're great all the way through, and others, you know, they're in their 40s and 50s still trying to figure out what they want to do. But we're going to fast forward here, and Evan mentions the foundation and it. Uh, and Evan has has worked his way up to what's your title exactly? I'm president of <laughs> just, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm the, yeah, I'm the president of our our Midwest region. Okay, so what what does the signatory do? To boil it down, we help people give money away. Is what we do. Give so money to who? We help people and individuals and uh, sometimes companies give money to ministries and nonprofits in a variety of different ways. And so, yeah, it's really to provide money for charitable resources. So we're kind of in this unique spot of there's charities and ministries that are doing great work. So think of like churches are doing great work, like the Red Cross is doing great work. Um, You know, there's all sorts of these nonprofit organizations that are really, really good. And then there's all these people that support those nonprofits. So a nonprofit they don't have any shareholders. There's no for-profit you know, business over here. So they really rely on donations. So then there's all these people over here that are providing donations to them. Where we sit is right in the middle. And so there's ways that uh, we can help people give in um, basically tax efficient ways and basically be able to give by not just using cash. Um, so people that, you know, it's not just giving cash to an organization, but it's maybe giving some property or giving some, some asset, uh, to that organization. And we kind of are in that middle position, uh, to help them and ultimately help them figure out ways to give even more away and inspire them to give more away, which is really fun. And people, you know, most people haven't heard of the signature, but we've been around for 20 years. And in those 20 years, we have, uh, given away over $3 billion, and in the last two years, we've given away one billion. So out of those three, one one billion has happened in the last two years. So that's 2020 and 2019. Wow. Um, and so it's just amazing the amount of money that we've been able to mobilize for great organizations. I mean, CU and the majors is one of those, which is really fun to to be able to partner with and to figure out ways to to help support some great causes. It it's funny to think about the fact that. I mean, we're we're technically, I guess, we're still in a pandemic, but we're hopefully coming out of it. But you said 2019 and 2020, and generosity from we saw it. I think you guys saw it. Generosity last year during the pandemic was that incredible. Last year was just about 700 million dollars that went mm-hmm. out the door, which is just absolutely amazing for people that felt needs and um, and felt called to give. And actually, I was gonna share if you if if i could we're we're a christian foundation i'm a christian i'm not bashful about who i am but here's a good story uh at least to share with you which i think is really important because i talk to people about giving all the time Mm -hmm. and giving is amazing if you if you haven't given something away and just just tried out generosity it's really really impactful 
so there's this guy and he's lived a long time ago. His name's Paul. So Paul, if you read the book of Acts in the Bible, Paul's in there a lot. And he's basically a missionary. He goes around telling people about Jesus. That's what Paul did. So Paul and Acts is about to basically go to Rome to die. So he's on trial. So again, I, I kind of like the trial thing. So he is in a trial and he's given testimony and he's basically, he knows he appeals to Caesar, which means he has to go to Rome and they're going to kill him. And so Paul is about to, to leave um, and he's leaving all of his friends, all the people he's close to, he's leaving. Paul says, this is in Acts 20, 35. He says, in all things I have shown you, so he's talking to his friends, that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus, how he said himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I think about that because if you, if that was, if you was the last time to see your friends or the people you're close with, you would say something that was probably the most important thing you had to say, right? Like the most important. Paul says in this moment, hey, remember, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's what Jesus said. And I think sometimes in our country and our society today, I don't care if you have a lot of money. I don't care if you have very little money. We can be greedy either way. We can say, hey, I want more stuff. Or, I, man, if I just get that, I could get more. No, it actually is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I can, see, I can say that for myself because uh, when I worked at a law firm, I, we made a great salary and did uh, some great, it was a really awesome, all those things. And I was miserable <laughs> and we still gave money away and I was still miserable. And then I came and worked at a nonprofit. I do not get paid the same amount of money that, <laughs> that I did when I worked at a, a large law firm, but we've been actually able to give more now. And it is such a blessing. Like I can't, I can't explain it to you. You know, things that, you know, if I had to go spend a hundred dollars on myself or go give a hundred dollars away, the feeling that I that I have giving that hundred dollars away is so much more impactful. And so, um, well, and I think you, about our students with that. I mean, I think about, I mean, I, I can see, you know, Moena and Carmen and Kyron here and all, all three of them led service projects for our group. And we, you know, we do monthly service projects, but, yeah. but I know the impact that those service projects had on each of those students, let alone the people that, that we're helping through those. And, you know, we did a service project last Wednesday night where we uh, made care packages, if you will, for nurses in the ER and ICU. And I heard from the person who helped us deliver those, just how impactful those were for those nurses. And, and uh, so you're right, whether it's money, whether it's helping somebody with something else, whether it's just giving the coat off your back is, is, you know, Moena led that service project. If it's giving a coat off your back to somebody else, yeah. uh, it it does. It feels it feels really good. It does. Well, and I'll 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 take a step further because yeah, there's you can give stuff away, you can give money away. So much of what we have right now is time and mm -hmm. and like and 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 really like personal. I know this is really going to sound like stupid because we're all on Zoom, but like sitting down and actually spending time with a person, person to person. Right. is so important. I mean, I've found that that is like, um, you know, so many people are just so lonely and hurting in this world and we're connect and we think we're connected with our devices or technology or social media and we're really not, we're disconnected. And so actually just taking a little bit of time to build a relationship with somebody, 
that's such a generous act. It's such a generous act. Really, as, as again, just to to use the uh, scripture reference of time, talent, and treasure, and that's yeah. that's huge. I'm going to go back to your your journey real quick because it was, you know, it's it's interesting to me just to see where you've what you wanted to do. I didn't realize you wanted to be Perry Mason. That's one of my favorite shows. I watched it a couple nights ago, as a matter of fact. I didn't realize you wanted to be Perry Mason. But uh, what's been most challenging for you? And and we we talk about the signatory and the signatory's donors giving out a, a billion dollars here recently um, over the last couple of years. What, what's been most challenging for you though, in your leadership journey over these last couple of years? Yeah. I mean, this is probably a siren song for everybody, but, uh, you know, 2020 was hard to lead. Um, you know, our office, we have about 25 people that are here in Kansas city and, um, we have about 50 total on our team, which like all of you, I'm kind of sick of Zoom and seeing all my people on Zoom. Uh, and so I, that's been really tough. But despite that, that's, you know, how we can actually show leadership and to continue to grow and have activity. I think that's been a kind of an important thing. You know, we could all just kind of sit back and relax during this time. But there were some huge needs in 2020. And so that's why I was I was so happy with our with our team that the, we had a record year because they had really worked hard to say, hey, we need to, we need to press in. And I mean, yeah, just, I mean, from the pandemic to, to social unrest, to just, I mean, the natural disasters that occurred in 2020, there was so much need out there. And so our team just really pressed in to, to work very hard. And so, um, but yeah, the lead, the leading, I like to lead by walking alongside somebody. Uh, you know, the, I've had leaders that have tried to pull me up, which that's always hard. That's the hardest one is when you're trying to pull somebody along. Yeah. Uh, I've also had leaders that are pushing me, uh, which is good sometimes. Sometimes we all need a push to get going. Uh, but I, my, my leadership style that I like the best is coming alongside somebody to say, hey, I'm here. I'm running this race with you. I'm doing it the same, the same pace. We're going to do this together and encouragement. And that's been hard to do during this time because we just can't be there together um, to be in person. So finally, Evan, what would you tell that uh, brash 17, 18, 18 year old Evan Lang today? Yeah. If I had maybe a wise moment to tell that 17, 18 year old person, just to, just to keep an open mind and like relationships really matter. Cause there's still some people that I have really close relationships with when I was 17, 18, but there's also people that I think I burned bridges with that I shouldn't have. And that I wish I would have just said, Hey, no, like treat everybody with respect and dignity and kindness if you can, you know, and just, just to have that, don't be, don't be so proud. Be, be that kind and, uh, and gentle soul with people. Well, that does it for this episode of the C10 mentoring and leadership podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we hope that you'll leave a favorable review on your favorite podcast platform. If you didn't enjoy it or you have other comments or suggestions for potential guests, you can click on the comment link in the show's notes. We drop a new episode at the end of every week, but be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an interview. And if you or your company would like to help underwrite this podcast, let me know. 
Until next time, this is Matt Folks for the CUN Major Leagues Foundation saying be safe and take care.